Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. I have stood on the mountain. I have walked the valleys down below. I have called the praise names on the Delta sweet refrain. I have touched America's soul. I have touched America's soul. There's a town in Mississippi where a man works his fingers to the bone. Then he thanks the stars at night for the blessings of this life. He has touched America's soul. Faith that knows no bounds springs from this very ground. As sure as seasons change and rivers flow, we have touched America's soul. I'm your host, Gary Holt, and to start things off this morning, that's our good friend, Mr. John Chandler with America Soul. We have a beautiful day here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I hope it is wherever in the world you're listening from, but we have a great show lined up for you today. Joining us on the Campfire Cafe, we're very pleased to have Dave Munzik joining us first time. He is a storyteller. He is a songwriter, he is an educator, and he is an author. So we'll be talking with Dave in just a few minutes. And then in the second hour of the show on Saddle Up America, we have coming back to join us our good friend, Mr. Mark Wadour. He is an award-winning filmmaker and the host 
of today's Wild West seen on public television all across the country. But right now, let's take a listen to a great song from Mr. Dave Munzik. It's one called Tequila, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Dave today on the Campfire Cafe. Cafe, that is Tequila with our first guest, Dave Munzik, performing. 
And Dave is a singer, a songwriter, an educator, a storyteller, a performer, a cowboy. And he performs with a solo career. And then in his spare time, he performs with his sons, with the Munsick Boys. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Dave Munsick. Hey, Dave. Hey, Gary. Thanks for having me on today. Well, good to have you with us. So we want to introduce you to our worldwide audience and find out a little bit about you before we get into some music and some conversation. But uh, so where was home for you originally? Boy, that's a great question, man. I did some shuffling around as a little tyke. Um, I was born in the East. Uh, My dad was a medic in the Army. We we then uh, lived in Germany for a few years while I was uh, just getting my walking shoes on. Yeah. I moved back to the east, and I lived there uh, in the east till I was a teenager. Moved to uh, Albuquerque when I was in high school, went to high school there, and uh, hit the road after that and ended up landed in Tucson. Went to college down there, lived down there five years, and bounced back to uh, the the Gila country of Catron County, New Mexico, for five years after that, and then moved to Wyoming uh, in '82. Wow! I've been here ever since. Wow! Wow! Well, that's that's a little bit of traveling, a little bit of dust on your shoes, but yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> Uh, gosh. Well, exactly. tell us, tell us when you got started with your music. Oh man, you know what? I I do believe that's something that was born into me. Yeah. I had a dad who was real uh, passionate about um, just music in general. He loved music. He loved all kinds of music. Couldn't play a note. My mom. Uh, was real musical, and she could and did play a note till the day she died. The day she died, she was playing her piano. Oh, wow. Um, for 88 years, yeah. So wow. I used to sit with her at the piano when I was whatever age you are when you can't bend your knees yet, and they just stick straight out, your little <laughs> fat legs and your short pants, and uh, sing harmony with her and, and old folk songs and um long about like a lot of kids I took piano lessons when I was whatever that was seven eight nine years old I guess yeah and the torture was seeing my buddies outside playing baseball and football and stuff and I I didn't last long with that like most kids don't played played different instruments in school like most kids do and then uh I uh, got going with a band and, and singing and playing keyboards when I was probably 13, something like that. And oh, just wow. never, never quit. Never wow. quit. Um, when I moved to New Mexico to live with my dad, he didn't have a piano there. Uh, and I had taken some jazz piano and stuff. Uh, and that was kind of my main instrument. But he didn't have that. So I ended up... Uh, just picking up his guitar and and learning how to teach myself how to play that and by the time I was uh when I was 21 I picked I wanted to play a fiddle pretty bad and I picked that up and taught myself how to play that 
and I just never have kind of quit. Well, so is is your fiddle your primary instrument? I mean, I've I've seen video and and things you know, that you're you're um, awfully good with a fiddle. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. I um I don't play it I don't play it enough. When I play with my boys, that's what I play. Okay. It used to be when I got those guys started, they couldn't hold a rhythm long enough they were strong enough to play fiddle. So I'd have to play guitar, and they'd play guitar, and I got one of them going on bass and got one of them kind of going on hitting some chops on a mandolin. And and uh, after a little while, when they could hold a rhythm together, I kind of blew the dust off the fiddle and started playing it again. Yeah. Uh, as far as how I can how I can speak without singing, yeah, fiddle's my fiddle's my thing. I think I think in those terms, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's you're awfully good at that, and uh, we're we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the Munzik Boys and how you got them started in music in just a minute. But I want to get to another song real quickly, and this is one called These Old Boots. What can you tell us about this? You know, that song, uh, there was a, I was running a kind of a educational dude ranch with my wife for a couple of years up on the mountain. And there was a picture on the wall of a bunch of old, um, used, dusty, nasty cowboy boots that had been just kind of lined up. Yeah. And I looked at, I looked at that picture when I was writing one day, I just had some song running in my head, a swing song. And I looked at that and I said, man, if these old boots could talk, um, they'd have a story they could tell. And that's where that came from. I've had plenty of old boots I've given away, um, thrown away. They've all got a story. You hate to throw them away. So right. Uh, that's right. what that song's about. Well, I got an old pair of boots on right now, so let's take a listen to these old boots by Dave Munzik, <laughs> and we'll come back and talk more with him in just a minute on the Campfire Cafe. Well, these old boots were made out on the Texas plains, machine run by someone who never even knew my name. Undershot rider, little butterflies on top. I used to wear my pants inside them just so I could show them all. There was a time they would shine, stepping out at night, and shuffle those young ladies beneath the dance hall lights. Slide me in love. With those smooth leather soles Sneak out through dark parking lots When I'd be ready to go If these old boots could talk About every place they've been Probably say they've been down to hell and back again They don't get out and run around The way they've done before Anymore. 
all the bets that they've been under And the stories that they heard They could have told my secrets But they never did stay a word They got me through the country And took me into town Rode me in the stirrups, boys And set me on the ground Our heels are running under And our souls are getting thin We're all scuffed up and starting to lose our shine But we still think we're ready To go do it all again And they just fit the way they did one time If these old boots could talk About every place they've been Probably say they've been down to hell and back again They don't get out and run around the way they've done before The reason must be these old boots don't fit me And you know, Dave, I've got a friend down in Paradise, Texas, that works with the Mustang Heritage Foundation, and and she's got quite a few Mustangs of her own that she's adopted over the years. People bring her old boots, and she has fence posts lined up with old boots upside down on those fence posts. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a sweet thing, man. That is a sweet artwork right there. It is, it is. But anyway, it's a great song. That is a great song. So we were talking just well, a little bit b- before we took the break for that song, a little bit about your boys. So tell us, how many sons do you have? I got three. All right. They're, and uh, do they all perform with you? They all do. They all perform on their own. They all perform together and they all perform with me. And it's, uh, it's, you know, I had a guy, I was down in Arizona this winter, and I was playing golf with a guy, and he said, you know what, um, you got to stop right now and just think about how lucky you are. And I said, well, I know I'm a lucky so-and-so, but he said, I mean, you're blessed lucky. And I said, how do you figure? And he said, you got three boys that play. I said, I know, it's crazy, all three. And he said, beyond that, is all three of them right and they all write their own songs. And I said, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So wow. once I thought about that a little bit, yeah, they're all songwriters. They're all good. They're all good singers. Um, they're great musicians, and they're my favorite go-to musicians to play with. <laughs> and when the four of us get together, man, it's DNA. It's it's great. It's, it's oh, an awesome wow. thing. Wow. Well, we've talked before about how family harmonies are just unbelievable. You know, it's it's just something special. But when did your boys start singing with you? I mean, did they just always, did they just grow up singing with Dad? Or <laughs> You know, uh, I, never, I never pushed or anything like that with that. Um, in fact, I tried to run the other way and not let them play with me because they were so damn bad, you know, when kids are little. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my wife, 
my wife Trudy, she'd get on my case. Let those boys get those boys playing with you in the living room, and, and uh, they were they were young. They were young teenagers, twelve years old. The, the youngest one, Ian, was probably eight. Uh-huh. I'm trying to get his little hands around a guitar or a mandolin, and I remember uh, we were we. I fought like hell to get us into this local theater we have to put on a Christmas show. And boy, we were pretty bad. And we sold uh, about three quarters of the <laughs> we sold about three quarters of the place, and it was a you know pretty good success. And those guys were just young and they were green. Right. And we're talking about doing one this year, and it'd be our 14th. Oh wow! Uh, sold out every year uh, really a magic special tradition for this part of the country oh wow Um, but when we were getting ready to do that show anyway uh i looked around the living room and i thought you know if these boys granddad my dad could see this now sam's over there playing his banjo and i looked and i said wait a second yeah ian's playing his mandolin i'm playing his fiddle (laughs) and if (laughs) If he and if he would have been lefty, Tris would be playing his guitar right now. But Tris was lefty, and he had to get his own Martin. So, oh, wow. um, it's it's kind of something that's gone on for. There's a little bit of past and a little bit of future in it. It's pretty cool. Well, it's pretty special. That is pretty special. So, did the boys ever want to do different kind of music from what Dad did, or did they just kind of follow along? I mean, I know that I, I listened to some of their music earlier today, and it's great uh, from Tristan Ian. You know that? Yeah, that is a that is a great question. Um, all the, all three of those boys, all four of us, have different tastes. And something about we all get together and somebody will have a song they want to do. And naturally, just innately, those the other three will listen to that and just let that person say, okay, this is the way I want to get this done. I want harmonies yeah. here. I don't want them there. I want this sparse down here. I want bass coming in here. I want to do a fiddle intro here. And that's kind of the way we've done our our records that we've made, it's the way we kind of arrange our songs. Um, all of those guys kind of gravitate towards music that's, uh, I guess you could say, real and earthy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a different take on that. Uh, Tris, the oldest one, kind of likes to do uh, write songs for his band, Tris Munsick and the Innocents. And they travel around the West doing their kind of big dance kind of stuff sam the middle one he kind of specializes in cowboy music uh his own and others and he he really kind of excels playing solo gigs singer songwriter gigs okay and ian the youngest he's uh bred kind of a western western mountain hip-hop kind of a (laughs) pop country sound (laughs) Okay. And he's uh he's he's kind of tearing it up right now. He's been on tour and he's signed a record deal and he's got a publishing deal and he's got a management deal and and he's pretty popular. So. Well, that's um, cool. That is so good. If he wants to Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. Oh uh, mm-hmm. wow. 
Wow. Well, it's pretty special to be able to perform with the boys, but it's got to be really rewarding for you to see them have their great solo careers as well. So. Oh, man, it is. You know, you can just sit back and smile. Oh, wow. Well, well, we talked a little bit before the show started about how you might have spent a little time in Nashville and, um, you know, my home. But this is a great song that has a definite Nashville sound to it. It's called Tell Me a Lie. And uh, oh. tell me about this one. I will tell you about that. Um, I, uh, I was driving through southern Colorado on my way back uh-huh. from a cowboy poetry festival in Durango. And I was in that big San Juan Valley with a lot of space. And that song was kind of hitting inside me and I kind of just started saying lines into my phone and the whole time I was thinking about Haggard and, okay. and how Merle that would be a Merle song and I was for a little bit I was thinking what are you doing man you're just copying what Merle would do and then I thought what the hell I'll just let the song just tell me what it wants to do and uh I wrote the song and I decided I had a few people say man don't put that on that CD it's it's too country. And I decided to do it. And when I, when I did a CD release, I was doing it as a singer songwriter in this theater, Ohio theater uh-huh. in Sheridan. And I told everybody, okay, this next song is a song I wrote for Merle Haggard. And everybody got real quiet in that room. They're all, you know, I could see about three or four mouths drop open. And I said, right. this, and I started to play the intro and I said, the thing is he doesn't know it. <laughs> Merle doesn't know it yet. So, um, yeah, it's just about it's just a it's a it's a breakup song, um, and it's a guy who wants to. Uh, he's in love with this girl so much. If it's if even though he knows she's going to be lying to him, uh, and telling him that she loves him, he says that's better than nothing at all amen amen well merle would love this it's called tell me a lie we'll come back and talk more with dave in just a moment on the campfire cafe If you're looking 
concert a couple times my dad my dad actually met him and took a great great picture of him uh wearing this kind of red rose colored shirt with flowers all over it and uh, yeah had merle sign that thing to me and i i'm sad to say that's long gone and all the shuffling moves i've made oh but, that's uh, too bad yeah but merle merle was kind of he was kind of the second dad to me, really. He just didn't know wow. that either. Wow, wow. Yep. Well, he was terrific, and I don't think I have known anyone that passed away. I mean, a lot of a lot of our great musicians and songwriters have passed away and singers have passed away, but I don't remember one having passed that had more of a following than Merle Haggard and was more right. mourned after he was gone, you know? Yeah, so. you know, that's a good point, man. He was part of the social fabric of our United States. And oh, he really was. when he went, a lot of people kind of just stopped and thought about that. And, you know, no, nobody was really sure what part we just lost, but we knew we lost something. Yeah, he was special. He was special. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we, we just did a song that was really country sounding. And I love that. And, and, and when we played that, or when I played it before and I listened to it, I thought, this guy's had some Nashville influence on him. Who has influenced Who has influenced your music the most? 
Oh, man, you know what? That is such a great question. The music that I write. Uh, well, let me let me start this by saying the music I listen to is quite often uh, swing, old older jazz, okay. 40s, 50s, uh, World War II, some Frank Sinatra to Joe Stafford to, um, you know, Johnny Mercer. Great right. song, the great song eras. Um, the stuff that I write, what's influenced me the most, I think I was uh, first influenced by Doc Watson, okay. you know, the guitar, blind guitar player. Right. And he kind of taught me to play guitar just from listening to his stuff. Uh, then Merle was a huge influence on me, and, and Merle with his whatever he had, 60, 70 records, I guess. Um, and he, Merle kind of covered a lot of gamuts in his writing and in his songs. And through Merle, I learned about Bob Wills. I learned about Jimmy Rogers. I learned about Hank Snow, uh, all the greats who kind of Ernest Tubb right. who laid down the foundations of country music. As I, as I kind of played in different bands and moved around and got more and more into cowboy culture, uh, of course, Ian Tyson uh, had a lot to do with it. He, uh, when he came out with that cowboyography record in the eighties, right? That still stands, you know, as one of the top five on my list. And he had a big influence on me. Um, you know, what's funny is now I I'm starting to be influenced a little bit by my by my boys, and that's kind of oh cool really, thing. yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of a cool thing. And I'll get advice from them now. Um, tables are starting to turn, and they'll tell me things like, "Don't get in that song's way, Dad. Just let it, <laughs> let it point the way that you want it to go." And I'm, okay, all right, guys. Our <laughs> <laughs> wise, our wise children, our wise, children. our wise children, buddy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that you played with Chris Ledoux. Uh, you played with Ian Tyson. Oh yeah. You played with Lyle Lovett. Uh, I guess all of those guys kind of influenced you a little bit. How was Chris Ledoux to work with? Oh, man. Okay. He was probably the nicest guy I've ever gotten to know. He was just nice. A real yeah. uh, soft-spoken, very modest, uh, kind and generous kind of a guy. And just a plain guy, just a plain old guy, like a hometown guy. Yeah. Um, his style of music, frankly, and mine were not uh, coming from the same place. I when, got you. When, when I was playing with him, he was take off on kind of a, a rockabilly, uh, putting some rock backbone into the country. Gotcha. Coincided with the big style that was starting to come out of Nashville, and it was great for Chris. It, it caught a lot of young ears and made uh, rodeo party music, and where it used to be the lonesome cowboy, you know, right, it turned right. into part kind of a party show. Um, and he was very very successful at doing that, and uh, he's still got a lot of friends who miss him. Up up in this country, he was from just down the road from where we are, really about yeah. 100 miles, I guess. 
Yeah. Well, I found it interesting when I was kind of going through and looking at some information about you that uh, you had played with Chris and then he wanted you to go on the road with him, but you didn't. Why not? (laughs) Great question, man. Um, Yeah, I had told him I would and we had agreed on it. Um, He had a little tour to do through Idaho Falls and Salt Lake and and making a circle, and he got my, um, my he really liked my fiddle, and we played some shows together, and and when between when we agreed on that, when the shows were supposed to happen, which was about six months, my first kid was born. Oh wow! Uh, and I was running a ranch and busy, and I had that first boy, and I just thought to myself, yeah, I don't think I really want to do this. And the guys in my band were like, God, you're crazy, man. You mean if Hagler <laughs> called you right now? He, he's he's looking for a mandolin player. Would you play with him? I don't think so. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I called Chris, and he was he was sitting on his uh, on his bucking dummy, <laughs> and he was out in the yard working out. And his wife Peggy went and got him and brought him in, and he understood. He was he was upset. Well, he was bummed. He wasn't upset. He understood. Right, right. And uh, you know, he he moved on to to just light fires and all around the country. So there wasn't anything. He's probably the best move he could have ever done was not using me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, but a good move for you too. A good move for you too. It because, was, man. It, yeah. It was. Yeah, we just uh, we just lost uh, a great friend this week in the music business. Don Anita Plumley passed away, and um, mm. Don had been offered a contract with RCA years ago, and she turned it down because she knew she would have to tour and travel, and yeah. she had a family, and so she put her family first, and uh, yeah. and so she was never sorry. I don't think that she had turned that that contract down, and uh, so some sometimes we just need our need to get our priorities in the right place, don't we? Well, that's it, you know, and we're just really blessed and fortunate if we can understand that. And somebody's telling us you better not do that, or and you re, you live with a regret for the rest of your life. I I don't. I just. I was lucky enough to uh, make the right decisions as far as my music went. I never really had to uh, sacrifice things that really matter, like my own integrity, my my boys, my wife, my home, yeah. my happiness, my things I like to do is, you know, ride horseback. We put up a little hay. We do this. We do that. Um, and I haven't had to spend my life and cheap motel rooms, you know, playing for a bunch of people in the darkness. So yeah, <laughs> I yeah. feel really lucky. Well, you are. You are. Well, I'm going to get to a song that has a really Western feel to it now. This is Forever West. It's the title cut from the CD Forever West. And uh, we're going to come back and talk with a man who just never has enough to do because he writes books, too. And that's Mr. Dave Munzig. So we'll be back in just a minute.
fucking feet that roll on down the road Time is standing sideways and oceans used to roll See a sage and hope and space may be all that you see But it's the place I make my home and here's what it means to me It's wagon tracks that roll you back into another time Looking for a treasure you think you're gonna find High and lonesome out between her rivers and her peaks Just the wind that's filling in a breath inside of me Rodeo day, a big parade with everyone you know A past that you hold on to Dream you can't let go Why Wyoming, Wyoming You've seen me through some hard times I've seen you at your best Wyoming, Wyoming I'll stay with you Cause I know you will stay forever It's flowers on your saddle Relay race, an Indian nation painted up for battle It's cabin by yourself, your neighbors branding them together Boom and bust, and hang on just until the times get better Running dude ranch horses through the middle of your town You're back against the fire when the Flies away and rolls you out at night. 85 down 25, your windows open wide. Sleep in the truck cause your number's up and this time you gotta win. Your buddy's sure this one's yours and you're believing him. Why Hard time. I've seen you at your best. Wyoming, Wyoming. I'll stay with you, cause I know you will stay. It is Forever West, and that is the title cut from the CD, Forever West. And so, Dave, we've talked uh, a little bit about you and your music starting out and your boys and how they've influenced you and and are teaching you music now. And our children are always so much wiser than we are, they think. <laughs> but um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about the book that you wrote this is called the song teller notes from the road so i didn't ask you i haven't asked you but how long how long have you been on the road performing well you know what those stories go back 
from recent history to decades ago. Just some yeah. some things that popped into my head. I mean, I've been playing music for 50 years, uh, and that's in that 50 years, there's been a wide gamut of venues, people, events, lessons that I've learned, um, coincidences, a lot of power. Yeah. So um, those those stories in that book are just reflections about some some of the uh, some of the uh, people, places, and times. I guess you could say. Uh, they 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 kind of originated in the our local newspaper, the Sheridan Press, got a hold of me a few years ago and wanted me to write a regular column about the art scene in Sheridan. And I told them I didn't have any idea about what was going on. And they said, well, how about if you just write something about what is going on with your music? Yeah. So I kind of started to do that, and then they grew in popularity, and I just kind of started stretching them out to, you know, here's something that happened to me last summer. Here's something that happened to me 20 years ago. Here's here's something about uh here's the here's the background behind this song, why I wrote this song. Here's a story about a little girl I met over in the western part of the state, or an old man down in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're that's kind of what they're based on. Well, so I'm going to have to ask you, what is one of the most interesting people or characters that you may have met while you've been out on the road? I mean, I've I've talked to people that have traveled the country, trail riding from state to state to state, and I always have to ask them about the interesting characters they've met. Can you think of somebody that might have been the most interesting character that you'd run into? Wow, what a what a question. Um, you know, as I think about the different stories in that book, I'd say the most interesting ones, it's it's usually people people that I didn't get to know very well. It's I, here's a little flash Here's a little flash image of this place, time, and person, and, yeah. and the lesson I learned from that. I guess maybe one one real interesting one for sure was my wife and I were in Cuba. We were in Havana. Wow. Uh, seeing seeing the island, seeing the seeing the place here about five years ago, and having just the time of our lives. And we were we were in. Uh, in Havana Vieja, the old old part of town, mm-hmm. and the road right there is made out of wooden bricks. Oh wow! And the reason for those wooden bricks is so the horse carts wouldn't wake up the queen when she was taking her nap in the afternoon back in the oh. seventeen and eighteen hundreds <laughs> when it was Spanish <laughs> colonial. So okay. Those horses and those carts wouldn't rattle and wake her up. So we were we were walking and checking those those uh, those wooden tiles out, and everything was brick, long long roads with with high old brick and stone buildings, beautiful Spanish uh-huh. colonial architecture. And I heard this noise, this sound that I knew wasn't 
it was a human noise, but it was like, what is that? And we just kept hearing it. So I took her and we just left our tour group we were with and I started following my ears and there was this gal uh, who was selling peanuts. She was a peanut vendor and she looked like she just stepped out of the continent of Africa. She was as, as black as a person could be and she was as beautiful as a person could be. She had a big silk orange scarf uh, wrapped around her head, a big wow. old dress with blue and, and yellow and and white uh, on her skirt and necklaces. And, and around her arm was this basket, a, a handmade a grass woven basket that had all these little paper funnels of peanuts, Spanish peanuts in it. And she was wow. singing the peanut song uh, in this voice that I – tell you man it carried uh probably a half mile quarter mile half mile through those streets echoing off those walls so i went up to her rushed up to her and and uh thought about the spanish i had a little little bit of head start and i thought about what i was going to say and i told her in spanish that her voice was like the voice uh, and I was just stumbling like an angel, and she said, "From heaven." And I said, "Yes, from heaven." <laughs> and she and and I said, "How much are your peanuts?" And she said, uh, "Dos cooks, which is like dollars." And I uh-huh. I gave her some money, and I got a hold of her hand when she took that money, and I bent over like a knight or something, and I kissed the back of her hand, and I said, "I've heard the voice of heaven," to her. Wow. And she wow. she smiled with these big white teeth into the sun and, and just kind of spun on her heel like a queen and just started singing her peanut song again and away she went. Oh, wow. Sto- wow. Stories like that. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I I think I saw something too about the fact that there were a couple of things that you were really fond of. One was a lariat and one was a half a cigar. So where'd this <laughs> half cigar, was that in Cuba? Yes. And half what's a cigar, the story? I forgot about that. Yeah, what's that we, story? Uh, I'll tell you what that story is. We uh, we took a our our van, our tour van, inland about two, three hours, four hours, half a day's drive from Havana to a place called uh, uh, Rio Pinar. I, I can't think of it right now. Anyway, it's a commerce kind of an area agricultural commerce okay we stayed in this old hotel and the next day we we went to to tour a, a coffee and tobacco farm up in the mountains we got up into the mountains and we we looked at the plantation and some of these coffee trees and then we got way up above onto the top of this windblown knob where there was nothing really there except a block cinder block building just a small shack and we went into this shack and there was this old lady standing there with a cigar smoking a cigar she was holding it so it was sticking straight up so it had an ash on it about two inches long (laughs) she had on these pretty skirts and she's kind of missing some teeth and and uh she invited us in and we went in and she was roasting coffee beans for us and grinding them to make us coffee cuban coffee uh-huh. We sat around this old table. The only thing that was in this place was a was a wooden table, a handmade table. And we sat there with her son, who was probably 45, 50 years old, 
and he was a big Castro guy, so he didn't really trust us. He had on his army fatigues and oh me, and uh, he was sitting there and he didn't want to speak English and he didn't really you know want to smile or anything. And uh, his mu- his mom turns out she was born inside that place. She this gal was probably eighty years old. She was born inside that little block uh, room. But he had been born uh, in a hospital because when Castro took over, he said, there's no more of that. We're going to save babies, and you're going to be born in hospitals in town. But he'd gone back to live with his mother and and run this plantation. Well, she brought over the coffee, and and we all got our little glass, little cup of this real strong coffee. And... uh, we were taking a sip, and the guy, I was sitting next to him, and he was watching me. I saw him watching me with his eyes. And uh, our our translator said, uh, what uh, What do you think of the coffee? Is it good? And I looked at this this guy, the son of this old woman, and I said, I held up the coffee, and I said, this is to my liking. I said it in Spanish. This is to my liking. Uh-huh. It's, it is strong and powerful like a good man a good woman and i looked at his mom and i said in a good country and i raised up my glass and man that guy we were best buddies then so he rolled oh, me really? a cigar wow. he rolled me a cigar right there from a bag of tobacco he had on the table and stuck it in my mouth and lit it and I smoked about half of it on that hill, and I've still got the other half. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story. In my story. dresser. That yeah. is a great story. Wow, wow. I could write that well, one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave Musick, you are just too much fun to have on the show. You are, the music is great. The stories are great. You're a, you're a fantastic guy, and I want to invite you to come back with us again. Would you do that? Oh, I would love to, Gary. You're uh, you got to know that you're pretty special at what you do. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there who like to talk, but you like to say things that are important and 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 uh, open up some worlds for your people. So, well, you uh, are very kind. You are very kind. I appreciate it. Well, before we go, tell folks how they can get your music, uh, how they can order the book. And uh, and maybe how they can get the Munzig Boys music as well. Oh yeah, that's an easy thing. If they got a computer, all all the music they can stream is on Spotify. They can just go to that for Munzig Boys, Dave Munzig, M-U-N-S-I-C-K, Tris Munzig, T-R-I-S, Sam Munzig, S-A-M, and uh, Ian Munzig, I-A-N. Uh, also, we've all got web pages. Uh, mine, you can look under DaveMunzik.com or okay. the Song Teller, thesongteller.com. And on my web page, they can order those books, uh, my CDs, hats. You know, I got some merch and stuff. Oh wow, wow! Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, you have a tremendous website. So I enjoyed going through the website earlier today. But uh, oh, wonderful! No, no kidding, Dave. Come back and be with us again. We look forward to having you. Well, back. I'll just, I'll just be, uh, I'll have my ears on, dude. And uh, all right, you stay on, 
you stay on top of the pony and have a good day, okay? All right. We're going to close out this part of the show with another song from the CD, the song teller, and it's called Trouble. And uh, Dave Musnick, my little little Dave Munzik, we look forward to having you back again. Right on. Dave, I'm going to just roll a bit of click, and why don't you go ahead and play through this for the guys so they get a feel for this tune. Thanks, man. Two, three, four. I'm back again Just like the last time You took me in Seems like you've been My only friend Trouble I'm back again Well it's been Such a long, long since you first came to my life It's gotten so I'd need you around I don't believe I could leave you now If you only knew How hard I've looked for A friend like you Near and far High and low All the places I should never go
wake up in the morning Just glad my boots are on Instead of emptying the whispering graces Down the fiber forest lawn On the set to make a pearl bracelet Two raw eggs and a shot of gin And I give it all up for that little blue pill Bring it all back to you Ride me down easy Ride me down easy, friend Tonight the western stars are shining bright again Here in the canyons above sunset The desert don't give up the fight Coyote with someone's chihuahua and its teeth skins Across my veranda in the night Some lost sheep from Oklahoma Sips her mojito down at the whiskey bar Smiles and says she thinks she remembers me from that Commercial with a crater car Hell, these days are Now just a game Tonight the western stars are shining bright again Some days I take my El Camino Throw my saddle in to the desert where the shadows they still ride and roll. Our American brothers cross the line and bring the old ways with them. Then at the western stars are shining brighter again.
morning Just glad my boots were on Mr. Bruce Springsteen, and that is Western Stars from the album Western Stars. And it's now time for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. And our good friend, Mr. Mark Badur, who is an award-winning filmmaker and the host of today's Wild West, is joining us now. Mark, how are you doing? Good, Gary. How are you doing? I am fine. If I was any better, I couldn't stand it, I think. But uh, you're looking forward to having you on and visiting a little bit. It's been a while. Yes. Yeah, lots happened. Well, tell us about it. Well, we just, uh, we're, we're, I, I produce and host a show called Today's Wild West, a documentary-style TV show about all things Western that you can see in a number of places, including todayswildwest.com and our Today's Wild West YouTube channel, which uh, both of them are free. In fact, that's the only place we're on is free TV. We're on PBS in 73 markets in 28 states, and we're also on uh, a network based in Nashville called the, uh, used to be called the Nashville Network, now it's called the Heartland Network. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's great. And that they're on all great. over the country. Yeah, it's over the free over-the-air TV. So, um, so we just won, well, recently, the last month or so, they made the announcement, um, we won the Western Heritage Award from the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City. Uh, we won the uh, Western Heritage Award for Outstanding Western Lifestyle TV Show, which is that the gigantic is, honor. That is not your first one from there either. Right. The yeah, second one we won, we won in 2018, which was, which is very cool. And Mary Kay, your wife, uh, won that year too. She did. I, as a matter of fact, I think I have a photograph somewhere of the two of you at that. So yeah, you guys yeah, are just you're 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 collecting those things. I know she's got a couple of those, and <laughs> you've got a couple too. So I know where she keeps hers. Where do you keep yours? Well, we keep it uh, keep it on a table right next to the to the easy chair I sit in all the time, and it's a Wrangler on a horse, and it's it's just, it's very cool. <laughs> You know what? It's just a very cool sculpture to start with. It's this cowboy on a horse by a great artist who lives in Oklahoma named Harold Holden. Yeah. And uh, so it's a great piece of art to start with. And then, yeah, to, to win that award, you know, I'm sure you've you've heard stories about people growing up who want to be actors who have rehearsed their Oscar speech or whatever. Well, you know, the only right. award I ever really wanted to win was this one. So now I've won it twice, and and they, they call it the Western Oscars, but I would say it's, it's it's way better than the Oscars because the Oscars celebrate such screwed up values. <laughs> and the the uh, Cowboy Museum is good stuff. Uh, it celebrates the good, the clean, the pure, the powerful, the American West, and all the good stuff about the American West. So, so well, congratulations! Congratulations! Yeah, congratulations again. So that's that's taking place what in. Um, September. September, yeah, because we're not going to be able to make it because I'm hosting Rendezvous in uh, uh, Utah the same oh, time. Wow. Yeah, she was a she was a presenter last year and then it was canceled, you know, and so instead of showing up for that, we just decided to get married at the same time. So that was a pretty oh, cool. cool deal. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, thank you. But anyway, congratulations on on your second win. That's just absolutely terrific. So for folks that are not familiar with today's Wild West, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got that started, Mark, and then what types of shows are they? And by the way, I'm getting, I get notifications by email of the YouTube channel all the time, and I just have a ball going back and looking at those. Oh, thanks very much. Well, you know, I grew up watching Westerns. Um, I don't want to date myself too much, but I grew up watching Gunsmoke and Bonanza and all that stuff. And one of the one of the things that really influenced me a lot was uh, the original How the West Was Won. The big Cinerama movie came out in yeah. two or three. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in Hollywood who was anybody was in that movie. Anyway, it's just it's still it's um, it's still my favorite Western of all time. How the West Was Won. I'm always surprised it doesn't make more best of lists but um anyway so i grew up watching that wanted to be a cowboy and i actually had a teacher who was a, a daughter of a montana rancher in high school and she set me up with a with a job on his cattle ranch when i turned 18 but all they did was put me in a tractor on the prairie to plow up the wheat field they weren't using that year never got on a horse <laughs> kind of disillusioning actually so anyway i became a tv news guy went to school was a tv news reporter in a great media capitals like Mason City, Iowa, and, and Battle Creek, Michigan. I'm not, I'm not making fun <laughs> of those places. I was happy to have it work. They're great towns. But, um, so I was a reporter and an anchor and a, and a writer and a producer, and I ended up um, living here in Los Angeles, where I live now, living outside of L.A. in South Pasadena, not far from the Rose Bowl. And okay. uh, anyway, I always loved the Western always loved cowboy stuff, always was interested in it when horseback riding every chance I got. Anyway, long story short, I see a little blurb in a college, in a newspaper about a college rodeo at this junior college here in L.A., and uh, they were having this rodeo, and it turned out L.A. has has the agricultural background. So anyway, this junior college has like this ag school, part of which is an equestrian program, and signed up for their horseback riding program that they offered uh, when my schedule allowed it, and discovered okay. there I knew nothing about riding horses, and <laughs> I, I started. Uh, I got the idea to, to write freelance magazine stories. I was working as a TV news writer, writing what the anchor people read. So I had this background as a reporter and an anchor and a writer and all this stuff in TV. Then I started doing magazine stories, and at the same time I created this pilot show, this half-hour pilot. I just posted one of those segments from that very first show about stuntman Lauren Janes the other day. Okay. So I, or a couple of weeks ago, he was this great stuntman that actually did a lot of the stunts in How the West Was Won. One of the, one of the most famous stunts in Hollywood is he does this swan dive off the top of a train car during a train robbery and and lands, it hits a cactus and the cactus falls over and it's this, it's this great amazing stunt. And that's the whole story in itself how they did that. But anyway, so I produced this pilot show, and I couldn't get it on anywhere. And um, I hired a crew. We shot the whole thing in two days. We did segments about uh, the stuntman, a Western artist. We went back to Pierce College at their writing school that I was attending and did a story on that. And then I don't know if you people have ever heard of Cowboy Mounted Shooting. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like barrel racing with guns, except that you're shooting blanks at balloons. And if you aim the gun right, the, the powder from the blank breaks the balloon. Right. And you ride 
in this pattern as fast as you can. It's really a cool sport. So we did a story on that. Anyway, I, I, I created this show, shopped and shopped, couldn't get it on anywhere, but it landed on the desk of the editor of Cowboys and Indians at the time, and she said, well, we want you to write magazine stories like this. So that opened the door to magazine writing, and I've since been published in, like, dozens of magazines and done hundreds of articles on all things Western, and what I mean by that are, like, hat makers, dude ranches, horse trips, wild Mustang trips, cattle drives, horse drives, uh, Native American culture, historic sites, Tombstone, Custer Battlefields. If it's Western, we do music, um, movies, art, artisans, rawhide braiders, all that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of I, envy. I kind of envy you your job, by the way. <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, <laughs> it it has its challenges, um, but I'm I'm very blessed to get to do it, and uh, I always have to give credit to the Lord, to God, who. Uh, Jesus Christ, who saved my life from the self-destructive life I was leading and rescued me and opened my eyes to all this great stuff and redirected the skills that I learned in TV news towards the West, which I was yeah. I was even aware. You know, I worked in TV news, like thought I was an informed person, and I knew nothing about all this, this whole cowboy world out there. I was singing wow. like, like Mary Kay and, and Dave Stamey. Dave Stamey. Yeah. Battlemakers, uh, all these great, this great culture in the West. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of Glenda Gale. I mean, um, Ian Tyson. I mean, so many great right. songwriters. Waddy Mitchell, Don Edwards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, there's just Junie Fisher. I, I hate to even leave anybody out because there's so many great singer-songwriters in the cowboy genre. Oh but yeah, anyways, so, yeah. So I started doing magazine stories, but but the idea never left me about this TV show. I was always thinking, how can I do this TV show? Well, fast forward to 2015, and the technology had changed where when I did the pilot in 2000, I had to hire a crew with the big 50-pound camera and all that stuff. Well, now you can, you can get a high-def broadcast quality camera that fits in a saddlebag that you hang over the horn of your saddle. And so, right. uh, so I just went ahead and started shooting this. And doing all these magazine stories for all these years, um, and I was still working as a freelance TV news writer in L.A. Wow, wow. But it, but I was not an employee, so if I had a chance to like go do a story on a cattle drive, I could just tell them I wasn't available this particular week, but I'd be back the week after so I could run off and do that story. Right. So I was doing this freelance magazine story, and then, long story short, in 2015, I, the, the technology had changed, and I was able to shoot to show myself with these small cameras and I was able to edit the show myself on my Apple computer through this there's a professional program called Final Cut Pro that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that you can that is a professional editing program. So long story short I was able to do the whole show single handedly. Wow. From having done magazine stories for fifteen years I had contacts and kinda of cred with these with the Western world. Right. So I just started Going back to places like the Reno Rodeo Cattle Drive, where I'd done a magazine story on them for Cowboys and Indians, like in the early 2000s, and in 2015 I went back and said, hey, can I come back and do a, a TV story? So that sort of launched that, and then it's just um, it's just taken off. It's been 
difficult. You know, if you talk to anybody trying to do anything in TV or movies or whatever, funding is always an issue. I'm sure it is in music as well. Oh yeah, yeah. But but um, but it's just become kind of this mission. I was my mission in life was like do cool stuff and write about it, and now it's do cool stuff, write about it, telling people that they can go do it too. Because the motto of our show that we start every episode with is the Wild West is still out there, and we'll show you how to find it. Because yeah. almost everything we do, um, you know, you can't become Mary Kay or Dave Stamey, but you can sure buy their music. So, right, um, right. But I mean, right. we we do stories about these ranches and cattle drives and all this stuff, and and people say, "Wow, I'd like to do that." And I always say, "You know, you you can just go do it. You can learn to ride a horse, and and you can." Experience these adventures for yourself. I always compare it to City Slickers, that movie, Billy Crystal. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, who who did not want to go on a cattle drive after watching that movie, right? Well, you didn't want to run into uh, what was his name? Oh yes, yeah, right. Jack yeah. Palance. <laughs> Jack Palance, you know. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you wanted to get out there and ride. So that yeah, was that, that was a, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that is such yeah. a great movie. But anyway, I. I what, one of the things that's cool is I I know that I I hear from from people and that like we've done stories on and and have actually met a, a couple of people from uh, over the years who've seen what I've done and have said wow I want to go do that and they, and they did so because um, the West and all it's about is just I mean to me it's it's what it's the best of America you know and it's uh, um, it's just what America's about. So. Well, I, I enjoy watching your shows, and for folks that are not familiar, uh, I would suggest that you visit the website, and I would suggest that you visit the YouTube channel as well. And um, uh, one of my favorite cowboys, you just did a story with his grandson the other day uh, that I saw, I think it was uh, um, out in California. And they had uh, they had given parts of the ranch to different organizations, but they had maintained part of it. And I can't think of his name right now. Uh, that's that's Joel, Joel, uh, Joel McCray. Uh, why, why, Joel why McCray? McCray. Yeah, that's right. right. Joel McCray. Right. Yeah, I always yep. always loved Joel McCray, and and it was a fascinating story with Wyatt and his wife that you did. But uh, but all of your shows are fascinating and interesting. So well, thank you very much. And the yeah. story is very cool. It's because, uh, yeah, he 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 uh, he said he was a actor to support his ranching uh, <laughs> habit. <laughs> but uh, but it's very cool when you visit that particular ranch. They've they've preserved 300 acres of the original 2,400. Yeah. And it's just like Joel and Francis stepped out because his saddles are still there and date books from like 1937 and his. <laughs> His riatas, these braided rawhide ropes that Will Rogers gave him are still hanging there and stuff. So. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I want to come back and talk about maybe one of your favorite episodes. I'm going to get you to share that with us. But right now, I want to listen to a song from Mr. Randy Houston, and it just ties right in. It's called Day of the Cowboy. And we'll come back and talk more with Mark Dewar in just a moment on Saddle of America. History of leather and lead Of stampede and broken bone pain 
Some words mumbled over the dead Then keep pushing cows to the train Hard times make hard hands And one blade sharpens the next Legends shape the land Breaking trails for the rest And that was the day Of the cowboy Oh, what a world he could see
been able to visit so many different areas and visit with so many different people, but do you have one in particular that's like a favorite, like a favorite story that you did? Well, it's hard. This, I guess I, I guess it'd be like um, saying who's your favorite child, you know. But I uh, knew you were going to say that. But, <laughs> but having said that, um, you, you know, I've had some really great adventures. of U.S. Cavalry School on the uh, Custer Battlefield in Montana. We did a whole half hour on that. That was yeah. that was a very cool experience. You're actually riding on that battlefield where all that history happened and camping. Um, along the banks of the Little Bighorn River, right where the Indian Village was. Right. And by the way, which is something they're going to be doing this summer, if people want to do that, that's uscavalryschool.com. One of the things, by the way, on our on our website, there's a there's a menu bar that says People and Places on Today's Wild West, and you click on that and get contact information for all the people we do stories on. So if you want to go do that stuff yourself, that's oh, an that's easy great. way to find out how. That is great. But I also did the... Um, the Great American Horse Drive in Craig, Colorado, which is a pretty amazing thing. You drive a herd of like 500-plus horses 60 miles horseback over two days. Wow. And, uh, it's pretty it's pretty western. It's a fast trot or a lope the whole way, and a lot of it's on pavement. Um, I mean, you're way out in, this, in, out in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, one of the most remote parts of Colorado, but um, that still has a road going through it. But that... That is uh that's an exciting western thing to be driving 500 horses. There's really nothing like that I don't think. There's horse drives, but this one is I'm you know, I'm, I don't want to compare one to another cuz I'm sure they're all great, but but that was uh that was a memorable 4-day adventure and cavalry school was great. Because, you know, I love dude ranches too. There's so many great dude ranches um so you know, I guess it's I guess hard. My favorite isn't it? Show, it is. And, you know, one of the things that's it's fun about doing the show is you go out and shoot this stuff, and then when you sit down to edit it and you're looking at the videotape, it's like you're right back there again, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you probably see some things when you're editing that you didn't really realize you were seeing when you were shooting, you know? Exactly, yeah, yeah, you bet, because it all happens so quick because we're not staging things. We're, we're capturing what's happening. And one of the unique things about the show is because I've got this great little small camera – that I can shoot when I'm riding a horse, it puts the viewer right in the saddle where I am because they're seeing my perspective on a lot of this stuff like the horse drive. I shot a lot of this horse drive. Um, Between horse the ears. Drive. Yeah. Right. And then when you're loping and trotting, you know, you do an awful lot of editing because the camera's bounced around, so you, you get a few <laughs> seconds here and there. So it's, 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 it's a challenge, but it's fun, it's fun stuff. Uh, gosh, what do you have coming up next? What, what, where are you headed next? Well, let's see. I'm going on a, um, I'm going on a pack trip in the Yellowstone National Park in in July, and uh, okay, there was just a big court ruling. Um, the national parks where I've shot stuff in national parks where you have to get a permit and apply and all this stuff. Well, there was just a court that ruled like for people like me, because I have no crew. My crew is me. You know, right. If you're Kevin Costner and you're bringing 300 people into Yellowstone, that's one thing. If you're just me with a camera on your sit, riding your horse. Anyway, long story short, there was a federal court ruling that said they can't ban people from shooting stuff like what I do. So okay. we're going to shoot a segment on that 
And then I'm hoping to go on the South Dakota Buffalo Roundup again in September and shoot that. That's in Custer that State Park. That would be cool. That's, That's another in September? Amazing thing. Okay. Uh, last weekend of September, yeah. Okay. Huh. I might have to think about that. I've got oh, that, some that, good. Yeah, I've got some good friends there, and we'll be finishing. Uh, we'll be finishing rendezvous in Utah, uh, like the nineteenth of September. You know, and uh, as a matter of fact, I've got some good friends coming down from Custer. They have a horse campground up in Custer, and they're coming down for rendezvous. So that'd be kind of a cool thing to have to detour and go back through on the way back to Nashville. Oh, you got to do it. That's a bucket list thing. I mean, this is like a controlled stampede of 1,500 buffalo. There's yeah. 15,000 people come out to watch this. It's an amazing event. And um, I got to do it a few years back for a magazine story. And the South Dakota tourism photographer shot this amazing picture of me, like at a full gallop. Alongside oh, I've got that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen that it's shot. Fun. That's great. Yeah. That is yeah, great. That's cool stuff. So will you get to participate in the Buffalo Roundup itself again this time? Well, I'm invited to. The trick is to find a horse that'll that'll do it because uh, um, that's a challenge because it's a private horse deal. It's not a dude ranch where they give you a horse. You have to show up with your own. So I'm invited to come, and I know there's a ranch in Colorado that raises uh, buffalo, so I'm going to talk to them and see if maybe I might be able to borrow one of theirs and rent, borrow, whatever, and uh and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to figure that out. You know what? Even if I can't ride it, I'm gonna go shoot it because it's just such a cool event. And the Black Hills are such a cool area with all the stuff there: Deadwood and Rushmore and and Custer State Park is like as cool as any na- national park there is. There's, I mean, it's just a beautiful, amazing 73,000 acre place with 1,500 buffalo. So. Wow, wow. Well, Mark, I'm gonna tell you, I've got a friend that they have shot carrying the american flag for that buffalo deal and oh, you've yeah? probably you've probably seen that photograph showing up I, they use bet. it in a lot of stuff but if you'll if you'll remind me maybe we can connect with him and see if he's got a horse that you could ride or something so, oh that's cool that'd be pretty cool that would be pretty ah. cool well you just you just get to go to some amazing places and shoot some amazing film and uh, uh i had asked uh dave munzik about any characters that he'd encountered while he was traveling and touring because he had written a book. And uh, have you have you met any characters that just kind of stick in your mind while you've been shooting Today's Wild West? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I I think, um, you, you know, I'm blanking on, on individual people, but I just, um, I, I guess I'd have to say I've just met so many great people um, that, are, are living the Western lifestyle, and I'm particularly fond of the of the Dude Ranchers and the Dude Ranchers Association because they, they really provide an opportunity for people that wherever you live, uh, because you know the vast majority of people can't have a horse and can't right. live that lifestyle all the time. The, the Dude Ranchers Association um, pr- provides a way for people to to experience the cowboy life for a week or two a year. You know when they when they go on vacation, and it's a right. It's, it's, it's a vacation. They'll teach you how to ride a horse. And, and so uh, Russell True is a good buddy down in uh, Tucson, Arizona at the White Stallion Ranch. And I was just at Rainbow Trout in Colorado and Par- Paradise. I mean, I've been to about 40 of them over the years. Wow. And wow. Um, I always tell people it's, it's kind of like um, dude ranches are kind of like falling in love with the, with the mate you marry. 
they're, they're all unique. They all have their own beauty and history and personality. And and I would just encourage people if they want to, if, if they're going, wow, I'd like to experience this Western lifestyle, but I don't know a thing about it, go into a dude ranch in the West, a member of the Dude Ranchers Association, because they, they kind of set the standard for the industry. Um, that's really a good place to start. So um, I've just had a lot of great um, experiences um, doing all this stuff and and, and starting with going to dude ranches. So in fact, in fact, when I when I'm not doing this show, if I had a favorite vacation to take, that's what I do is go to a. Dude that's ranch. what you do. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. that 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 tells you a lot right there. You love what you do, so instead of going to Florida or the Caribbean, you're heading to a dude ranch. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, I mean, to me, it's, it's not a vacation if you're not sitting on a horse, you know, so. All right. All right. I like that. I like that. Well, let's tell folks again how they can see the shows. And uh, and they and I guess they can watch it anywhere in the world if they go to your website or they go to YouTube. That's right. And so it's it's t- Today's Wild West. Today's Wild West. And, and, and um, if you just Google that. My website will come up, the YouTube channel will come up, and what I really need people to do, and it's free, totally free, if you go to the uh, Today's Wild West YouTube channel, or even if you just click on one of the videos on the website, you'll see a little red subscribe button in the bottom right-hand corner. And if you just click that thing, you can subscribe to our our channel, and then you'll get the videos we put out, because what we do on YouTube is we put segments out from the different shows we've done over the years. And, and uh, oh, you know, we get enough subscribers, we might... Get, get an advertiser or two, and that might help the cause as far as uh, filling up the gas tank when we're running around the country and that kind of thing. There you go. There you go. Well, it's it's so cool. And uh, and when I said I get emails with today's Wild West every day, almost, I do. And the really nice thing about these little segments is that they're usually just like 10 or 15 minutes. So you don't right. have to be sitting there forever, but you can watch a really cool short segment and and i love that you know because i'm like everybody else i've got a busy lifestyle and so it's it's really cool to be able to watch something like that and and enjoy seeing you on horseback fun stuff yeah Yeah, we're pushing out one tomorrow on on um there's a trip they do here in california where you can do a horseback ride through an outfitter and go out and observe the Mustangs who live out in the high desert east of the Sierra Mountains. So, um, that'd be cool. a really cool thing people can go to. So, we're that gonna be cool. put that out tomorrow, and that's only about five minutes that video. So, all right, that would be cool. Well, I will just tell you that we're going to be in Bryce Canyon in Utah in September. So, if you want to come down from California and go, visit. no, we can't, you can't do that. You'll be getting your award. Uh, I forgot. Oh yeah, that's right. The nineteenth, yeah. That's right. That's right. But if it, we'll do some over rendezvous, and you can just show up and have some fun with us. That would be that'd, that'd be, be great. Cool. That would be cool. Well, Mark, thanks for being with us, and uh, I'm going to close out this segment of the show with a song from Mary Kay Holt, and uh, it's called "Goodbye Gravity." It's from her new CD, Frontier, and Mark. Please come back and visit with us again. It's been way too long since you've been here. Oh, Gary, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Take care.
Campfire Cafe, 
And uh, we look forward to having him back again to visit with us and then to having Mark Badur come back and join us. And he is the host of today's Wild West. And uh, so a lot of fun visiting with both of those guys today. Uh, I want to remind you that uh, Rendezvous 2021 is taking place in Tennessee, in the mountains of East Tennessee in June. And uh, going to be a lot of fun trail riding and shopping and music concerts and horse clinics. And then in September, we'll be in the Bryce Canyon area. And that will be another three days of trail riding and music and chuck wagon cooks and equestrian clinics. So you can visit our website at equestrianlegacy.net and find out more about what's going on. All of these events are taking place, and the beneficiaries of these are Jennifer O'Neill's Hope and Healing at Healing Glade, and that is an equine therapy program for our military men and women, and uh, also for the Mustang Heritage Foundation. So those two organizations are the beneficiaries this year of Rendezvous 2021, and you can visit our east location in Tennessee in June, and then in the Utah location in September. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And uh, we hope you will try to join us as well for that. We lost a very good friend this week. And uh, Miss Donanita Plumley uh, lost her battle with cancer. And she was a frequent guest on both the Campfire Cafe and we featured her on the living room sessions last year. And uh, she was a dear friend. She is a she was a light. Uh, she was someone that uh, had a career of over 60 years in the music business, and she touched a lot of lives. She was Joe Diffie's aunt, and uh, she and Joe had done some recordings, but, but we lost her earlier this week to cancer. And so we would like to remember her husband, Jerry, and their family and friends. And I'm going to close this. close the show today with a great song that she did. It was written by Vince Gill, and uh, it's one you'll recognize. It's one called Go Rest High on That Mountain. We invite you to join us again next week for Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Thanks for listening.
Oh, 